How's it going, everybody? It's Alex, the editor here. Before you listen to this week's episode of Press YYZ, a video game podcast, I wanted to let you know that we recorded the original episode for this week, and we ran into some technical issues that prevented us from releasing the episode. Honestly, it just sounded really terrible. But our goal of releasing an episode every week stays strong, so we went into our vault and pulled out the original test episode. So, here's the original 5x5 of Best Games of the Generation, i.e. the episode that made Mitch almost die of salt overdose. Thanks, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back to normal next week. Ciao. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Press YYZ, your number fun gaming podcast in which three Torontonians and one Montrealer discuss everything uh, good about games and debate them a little bit towards the end. My name is Alexander Kazina. I'll be your host for today. I'm joined today by the illustrious, the ever-pheasant, AJ. What's up, guys? The gratuitous Mitch George. How's it hanging? And the blatantly blatant Alexander Ballant. How's it going, everybody? And today, we're here to make you laugh. Actually, I'm just kidding on that point. We're here to talk a little bit about what we've been doing recently. You guys been having a good time this past week? Real high energy. Not, Not too bad. You know, work... Working away in real life and 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 not really gaming on the on the side as much as I want to. Yeah, gaming's been a hard thing to incorporate into life right now. Yeah, I I forgot to mention this is technically a gaming podcast, but we don't actually play any video games in preparation for it. So our quality may vary, but we promise again that we will make you laugh. There's nothing, there's no preparation going into this show. We show up, turn on mics, and hilarity shall ensue. Yeah, we, we definitely don't, you know, make dozens of Google Docs and long, extensive uh, threads on OBS, uh, sorry, not OBS, Discord discussing these things. I have so many different applications open right now on my computer, it's making my head spin. I have all of three open at the moment. The only three that matter. Chrome, Discord, and Audacity. Oh, I was going to say Mozilla Firefox. I guess I'm the outlier in that regard. So I, I go back and forth between the two. Um, but right now, for whatever reason, I just have those bookmarks for the show in Chrome. So Chrome it is at the moment. I'm an Opera user. Oh. You get a, you get a, a decent VPN with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. So if you want to watch, basically I just use it to watch YouTube videos that are restricted in Canada. Ah, interesting. I never thought about that. There are other ways around that. Do other browsers and stuff like synchronize like between uh, systems? Like if you have multiple computers, like does Firefox like synchronize not just your bookmarks and stuff, but like the theme and everything as well and bring everything over? Or is it just Chrome? You can have an account with Firefox. I haven't played around. I haven't tinkered with it too much because I use Firefox at work and I try not to bring anything from work home if I don't have to. So that's sort of probably the other reason why I have this separation between church and state, one being Google and one being Mozilla. So I think that's enough browser talk for one night. I suppose so. Fair enough. Wait, that's not what the podcast is about? I thought that's what I was signing up for. I mean, we could discuss all the other browsers that we don't use. Want to talk about Internet Explorer? You mean Microsoft Edge? Netscape? Oh, man, Netscape. I remember Netscape. I'm dating us now. Wow. Uh, what did what came before Netscape? What was like the Atari 2600 of 
uh, internet explorers phones uh, was it were they i don't know there there wasn't much internet at that time other than for military application and education yeah i'll have to research that one point i'd imagine it's probably a pretty interesting topic of discussion maybe not for this gaming podcast that's true any uh tvs movies that we've been watching as well that we want to get to before we move on to the next segment so i mean from a gaming perspective the only thing i really touched this week was pokemon and i'm not going to bore you guys with my pokemon stories again this week mm-hmm. um so from an, an entertainment perspective actually i know our conversation last week around free popcorn had me thinking uh it was time to go to the movies so i went out and i saw jojo rabbit last weekend friggin loved it it was so good uh and then also finished the uh the documentary series on Netflix about uh, Aaron Hernandez, the former, or sorry, the late New England Patriots tight end who committed some atrocious acts and then ended up committing suicide. And that was a very, very dark, uh, dark trek. Luckily, it was only like three hours total, so it wasn't too mind bending. But yeah, that was a that was a strange story to to get lost in for a couple of nights. Mm. All right. so that's the that's the killer inside the mind of aaron hernandez on netflix if anyone's looking out for that aj yeah um well i i i went down this weird internet rabbit hole yesterday where uh i, I got really nostalgic for like like old g4 tech tv and stuff um i don't know if you saw my post that i put onto the main kind of funny facebook group but i did see that i uh yeah uh, the whole episode of Attack of the Show from like 2008, uh, just straight up on YouTube, and I w- I watched the entire thing, and I I I really really miss that era of of like game television and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that was like a huge thing for me when I was growing up. Like I used to love Electric Playground and Reviews on the Run. Everything with Victor Lucas, basically. It was like. I always would try to tune into that and just because like at school I would never really have people to talk to about video games surprisingly enough and so I just like needed some outlet for it so it was always kind of like a nice little safe haven for me Hmm. I uh, unfortunately don't have a whole lot of like TV streaming stuff I've been watching either Uh, but Balint oh yes I've uh, seen a couple movies this week um, as being in film school i try to watch the goal is to watch a movie a day but i usually don't get around to that but this last week i watched three movies i watched uh swiss army man which is the movie about a guy a dead body who can oh yeah uh what's his what's his face harry potter yeah daniel radcliffe yeah i know he he probably hates being called that by the way imagine he's like no don't call me that yeah he's never come out on this podcast now Look what you've done. Way to burn bridges already. I mean, all he's got to do is something else that makes us forget about Harry Potter, which we all know is not going to happen. I mean, have you seen the trailer for Guns Akimbo? That movie looks pretty intense. It looks pretty hilarious. (laughs) I I am so into that. Yeah, he just seems to, like, every two to three years, he'll just come out and he's going to do something fucking weird and then just disappear again. And I'm all for it. But yeah, so I watched uh, I watched that. There was a lot of farting. It has one of the best uses of the word fuck I've ever seen in a movie. Um, 
I don't want to spoil oh. it, but it's like it's real good if you have seen it. Um, and so, yeah, but that was that was really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and then I also watched The Irishman, which is technically my second time watching it, but I fell asleep through the first time, not because the movie was not entertaining, but I was just completely exhausted when I tried watching it. And so I slept through about a third of it the first time and realized that the movie makes way more sense when you actually watch the whole thing. So that's my review of The Irishman. So I know The Irishman's on Netflix. Where did you? Where were you watching Swiss Army Man? Is that available to stream anywhere? Or <laughs> Yeah, it's also on Netflix. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out. That one's been on my radar for a while. It's very good. Anything by A24, I'm, you know, one of those film bros, uh, is worth watching in some respect. Like, I think A24 is kind of, like, one of the main studios that's actually doing, like, really interesting things. Not always good, but definitely interesting with everything they do. Hmm. Cool. Well, I'm really glad to hear yeah. that. I was just going to ask what you've been up to, Cozy. I know you said you haven't been streaming anything, any gaming. I know we talked last week about Half-Life. You've been playing through those. Anything else? Oh, I mean, yeah, that is true. I see. I feel like, uh, like we glazed so fast over the gaming part and went straight into what we've been watching on streaming services and the like that I didn't even think. Oh yeah, that's right. I have been playing through the entirety of the Half Life series on my Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/slash Cozy Bear Live. K O Z I B E A R L I V E. If I say it fast enough, it's not a plug. Uh, and yeah, it's been real good. I um. The, the original Half-Life was a decent enough experience, um, although it is aged in a lot of ways. It's like, it's simultaneously, you know, one of the most revolutionary shooters ever released, but it is also very much a first-time effort on Valve's part, and there are a lot of parts of the game that just don't, like, hold up super well. You can tell that they were still trying to figure things out. Um, it's two expansions that were some of the first projects that were worked on by Gearbox, um, Half-Life Exposing opposing force and half-life blue shift are in some ways almost a little bit more polished but obviously they're very beholden in a lot of ways to the advances that the first game made uh, and finally at long last i got to half-life 2 and i'm not even halfway through it but so far i'm supremely impressed with it uh it remains to be seen uh how long my interest in it lasts but i honestly totally think that there's a future in which like a year from now I'm composing a new Alexander Kazina top 25 games of all time list and this game is in that 25 which is hard to believe because I've played a lot of you know so-called uh famous classic games over the past few years and been like all right cool I'm glad I experienced that don't know that it will rank super highly on my personal list but this one may very well just be able to make it well as I said at the start of this show we're here to talk a little bit about some news as well. Uh, we've all been dealing with hard lives, as we all know. Um, but apparently, we're not the only one who's been working hard. Apparently, the people over uh, Ye Old Doom Factory, specifically the Doom Eternal Factory at id Software, have been crunching pretty hard last year as well. Mr. Mitch George, I believe that you put this news story on the news dump. Could you walk us through it? I mean, I, I think I put all of them there. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I, I get a little uh, pedantic when it comes to, to doing this sort of thing. So The run of show maker is inside the house. <laughs> Happy to run you through the news of the week. So 
so the first article that I found was regarding the crunch at Doom from VG247, by, uh, written by James Bill Cliff. Sorry, I don't want to butcher the name. Uh, and essentially gets into how the delay at id Software was necessary in order to alleviate some of the stress of the studio, but that the the studio itself has still been crunching pretty hard over the last year. So a couple quotes I pulled out of the article. Uh, we were crunching pretty hard most of last year. It goes in phases. We'll have one group of people crunching, so the next group of people are teed up properly. As they get done, they may need to crunch a little bit. We really, truly do try to be very respectful of people's time and lives. We have very dedicated people that just choose to work a lot in many cases. It was nice because we want the game to be perfect. We want it to live up to our expectations and consumer expectations. Which sounds like some PR BS, but let's talk about it. <laughs> what do you guys think of this? So... You, we we talked, we we have spoken about delays and stuff like that, and not to belabor the point, but you yourself have partaken in software development uh, on your own personal life. Um, Correct. How do you feel about crunch in general and them and, and a lot of these quotes? So. A lot of the quotes themselves do sound like they're coming from folks on from the management side of the studio trying to spin it in such a way that there is a positive take to this and that people were really excited and they really wanted to participate. But a lot of times, like, management is saying one thing because that's what employees are telling them. But when employees are talking to each other, they're not saying things in such a, such a positive light. Yeah. Um, ultimately, having to work longer, like, a big issue with software development and not just video game development is that there is no, there are no statutes to regulate overtime pay for those employees. So if I was, or any employee in these situations was asked to work 12, 15, 16 hours, there's nothing to say, like there's not, there's no protections in place for these employees. So it's do it or we'll find someone else who will, uh, which is not a, not a state that you really want to be in as an employee. So a lot of times it is, I will, I'll bite the bullet here. I'll do what is asked of me. I'll try to get this done. And then after the fact, we'll talk to management. We'll try to resolve these things so that they don't happen down the road. And in some cases it does happen. Management management will listen and they'll, they'll learn from these mistakes because that's what they are. You shouldn't end up in these tight deadlines if you plan appropriately, you staff according to the amount of work you're going to have. And Absolutely. ultimately bugs and issues and things come up that you have to resolve before you can launch a product. Um, but a lot of those conversations, like they happen, but then things tend not to change without significant reshuffling from a management perspective. So it's, it, it's, it's hard to hear things like this as someone who is adjacent to this industry. I mean, there's a reason I work in software development and not game development because <laughs> all I've heard are these kind of horror stories growing up and tried to stay away from that. So I could still enjoy what is my primary hobby, which is gaming. Um, absolutely sort of the thing of yeah once you pull back the curtain you kind of see some of the things you might not necessarily have wanted to see and it can taint how you feel about something that i personally am pretty passionate about um, I, it, it just yeah. sucks to see it really does yeah absolutely and for me like somebody who is in a, a more manufacturing uh physical goods uh type industry it's like I've, I've dealt with that that sort of like kind of mismanagement before where um they're only 
concern is we got to get this thing out the door right and i've i have done like stupid amounts of hours to just try and make sure shipments get out the door on time and everything so like i i definitely have you know pro, you know props props to them for um for for sticking through it i guess um and yeah i i do feel kind of gross reading some of those like pr style quotes myself because yeah. like it just sounds like management making excuses in 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 some cases they are but there there are instances where if you're so um if, if if you're so invested in something you're wanting to deliver because you're so excited to see how people receive it you do so i mean there are people that will forego some of the conveniences to push a little harder get things done not necessarily within the time frame you're given and just push and push and push and try to get this thing done and that's happened to me before and we can talk about this offline because i don't want to really reveal anything about what i've worked on in the past do um, it do it do it i mean i don't work there anymore but even then i no, oh, well it's the problem then slatter them separation i still have friends there i don't want to i don't want to you know burn any fences or anything like that like I, are these friends going to listen to this podcast one might but he would agree with me because he was down in the trenches with me. He wasn't in management. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's Alex, right. you've um, you've specifically uh, you're you're in school right now, right? So, how how is your your like crunching on on projects and assignments going and stuff like that? See, see, for me, I'm kind of coming at it with a different perspective. Where, I mean, and I haven't really like had to face this because of like poor management. Well, the poor management comes from my own poor management, not from somebody else's <laughs> so but also at the same time it's like i can understand what you were saying mitch about like when somebody's passionate about something they will put in that extra work i just think that it's when they when uh, when it's required to put in that extra work or it's like maybe not required but it's Implied. like yeah that this is going to be a thing you have to do and not because you want to do it i think that's when the problems come because i can understand people wanting to crunch sometimes because they're really passionate about the thing that they are working on. Like I think of like companies like Naughty Dog where it's like they are, have this reputation for detail and I don't think you just get that initially because you're not passionate about it. I think it's, it develops, but then it kind of then like it's expected then. And so that's kind of my perspective on it. And so I, myself tend to try to work on something to the last minute uh before like having to submit something that i've been working on because i just want to see the best possible version of that thing but at the same time i also have to realize that like i can't make everything the way that i exactly want it to be because otherwise it's going to be unhealthy for me to do that because otherwise i'm going to have to forego something like either sleep or food and then then and video games yeah like or we've done yeah that would be i mean that's the worst Awful. of them all i yeah who needs sleep yeah i mean i i think too coming back to to sort of what you were just saying is that like people want to do this but it it it, it also there is some there is some responsibility on the on the companies themselves to make sure that if this sort of work is required that you're treating your employees right like people would be leaving these companies in droves if there weren't additional, you know, time in lieu, other incentives. Uh, but you look at something like the 
I mean, speaking to a film student, you look at something like the film industry that is very heavily unionized. It is very organized. Emplo- or, uh, yeah, employees get the, the, the time they need to you know, live a healthy and normal life outside of, their typical, outside of whatever their work schedule is. And I feel like something like that for IT, not even, not video game, not software development, just IT in general, it doesn't exist. There are companies that do it. There are many companies that don't because they don't have to. So to see some change in that industry would be nice to see, but ultimately we're just gonna have to wait and see. And it's, I feel bad for these guys and, and girls over at id Software. And I'm definitely gonna wanna support this game when it comes out, not to support the idea of they had to crunch to get this done, but just to, be able to express my gratitude for the hours they had to put in to make this thing exactly what they wanted it to be. Mm. Um, you guys have been talking a fair bit here and there, and I, not that your talking has been all useless. Those have been some really good discussions, really good points that y'all have made. Uh, but I want to take the reins for a little bit here, and I think it's appropriate that I take the reins a little bit here because this next story is about a game that has my name in it. Ignoring the fact that it also has your name and your name in it as well. But it's also spelled wrong. We have to we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, I mean, it is technically spelled wrong. But in any case, Valve is confident uh, that Half-Life Alex won't be delayed. Uh, this is a story that was written up on Kotaku, although much of the information in it effectively broke on a Reddit AMA. Basically, uh, because of Half-Life Alex, the new Half-Life VR game is coming out soon in a couple of months, Valve hosted an AMA on Reddit today in which they audaciously claimed, among other things, that the game won't be delayed. And confirming a truth, uh, and this is Nathan Grayson's phrasing, that we all knew in our hearts, all Half-Life games must have at least one train. Uh, Given that Half-Life 2 was famously delayed uh, after the whole leaky stuff happened there, uh, and Half-Life 2 Episode 3 suffered so many delays that it eventually stopped existing, it's quite a revelation to hear that Half-Life Alex will, barring catastrophic or transdimensional alien invasion, come out in March. Um, there's a quote from the Half-Life a- Devel- Alex development team on Reddit. Uh, With the exception of some tweaks to the absolute final scene, the game is done. Lots of us at Valve, as well as playtesters, have played through the entire game multiple times. Right now, we've primarily polished. Uh, we're primarily polishing bugs and fixing polish. <laughs> I, I think I got those two words uh, mixed up there. What I meant to say was we're primarily polishing and fixing bugs, uh, which is where we'd hope to be at this point in the development cycle. We're confident we'll hit our intended release, uh, and so on and so forth. I actually do like that last quote that they let Valve time happen before they even announced the game. Yeah, so for for those who might not know, Valve Time is basically this long-running joke, meme, not sure what you call it, where basically Valve will announce a game, they're saying it's going to come out on this date, inevitably it gets delayed well, well, well after that, and so that on the uh, term Valve Time to refer to you know, how Valve's uh, kind of perception of time is way off from ours. It's nice to see that they learn from like past mistakes. Yeah, Valve is kind of known as one of those developers in like the echelon of they will uh they'll announce a game delay it so many times they're like rockstar or blizzard and then just kind of like they will keep delaying it until the point that they feel that they're confident in releasing it which could be many many years after the development so seeing this is a really nice change of pace because there's not very many games that i can think of besides like fallout 4 
I think in the past that like really recently that has a release date and actually will release on the day that they say it and it's like relatively close to when they announce the game mm, yeah I agree and like you know for context earlier I brought up the whole uh, leak stuff basically to make a long story short uh, a kind of like early version of Half-Life 2 was leaked uh, ahead of its release just ahead of them announcing what was going to be the original release date for Half-Life 2 and that basically forced them to kind of rethink uh, their plans and kind of overhaul that game as a result so it's not that Valve themselves have necessarily been poorly organized in the past some of these delays have been caused by kind of external forces as well but yeah this is great that they've finally gotten to a place where they're able to kind of get this stuff uh, out on time in a timely manner whether or not this means that we're on track to enter into a world in which we'll be getting Half-Life games in general on a much more consistent basis beyond Alex remains to be seen, but this definitely bodes well. I mean, given given Valve's track record of how frequently they've been releasing games over the past 10 years, you might get another game within the next decade. I mean, I'd hope so. <laughs> Isn't this like the second game that they've released I guess technically this is the first game they released this decade, but last decade they only released, like, two games. It was Portal 2 and uh, Artifact. Well, I mean, that, I feel like that's being a little bit, like, so, like, in addition to all the various kind of third-party appearances that the Portal characters have appeared in, like LEGO Dimensions and uh, Bridges Portal, for example, there have been, like, a bunch of, like, VR projects, for example, that... GLaDOS and friends have uh, made cameos in as well. It's not, like, I guess in the traditional sense of, like, a game game, it, you're not wrong that it has only been Portal 2, Portal 2's DLC, and Artifact. Um, but they, they haven't been utterly quiet. They did also release CSGO this decade. That's true. So CS, CSGO was 2012, and Dota 2. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit more than I was saying. And those two games are, since they're like kind of games as service in a lot of ways, they do change really frequently. So that's fair. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of services, uh, the cloud, and all the like, Xbox uh, Project xCloud is adding Destiny 2, Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and many more titles. This is from Winder Windows Central, and it was written by Matt Brown. Mitch? You covered it all there. They added Destiny 2, they added Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and a bunch of other games. Um, standouts to me are, uh, you've got uh, Sid Meier's Civ 6, you've got both seasons of the Batman Telltale series, you've got The Wolf Among Us. Um, anything else there stand out to you guys? Um, nothing really to me. I mean, I would say the ones that stand out to me are the ones that I've already said, because the fact that they're bringing something like the Master Chief Collection and Destiny 2 to xCloud makes me a little bit more confident that they're confident in this because those are Twitch-based shooters that really rely on good connection, good input, um, good no like input lag when playing them, like especially playing like Crucible, um, which I believe is the PvP in Destiny. It's like you don't want to be, you don't want to have a delay in that. And you don't want to have a right. disadvantage when you're going against other people. And so I'm really interested to see how those two games specifically perform. Because everything else I'm reading on the list kind of doesn't seem to be like it would be affected as much by like input lag. And that's kind of the biggest thing that I'm concerned about with this whole idea of a streaming future. Because I'm somebody who notices that type of stuff 
like if there is a even slight delay it will completely throw me off and so i'm really excited to get my hands on some of this stuff yeah so as somebody who uh for some reason got access to project x cloud despite me living in canada um i mean our next story may be for you hey maybe uh maybe not because i already have it um i can i can attest to the fact that it 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 works it it actually works like if there if i was on a like a poor quality network connection or something like that um the the latency that i experienced was no different than uh going over to your friend's place to play rock band after you've adjusted to the the latency on your own tv it it doesn't feel too different and it doesn't take more than like 20 minutes or like a game or two to 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 really adjust to it in my experience so that's really that's really high praise it it works it it works the same Hmm. uh uh in my experience with stadia as well but like xcloud like is gonna have you're gonna have like the back catalog of all the games you already own on xbox if you're an xbox person so that that's a that is where the difference is gonna lie i think because the technology is here it works i've confirmed it honestly just seeing what microsoft has done this generation when it comes to services has made me I honestly I'm a believer in what they're doing as a as a company with with what they're providing to consumers and I know whether it I I honestly talked to my fiance last week about can I stomach going out and buying an Xbox all digital just for Game Pass and exclusives and stuff and honestly I'm on the fence now once we get to next gen I'm probably going to go all in and that will be my third party slash Microsoft first party machine and my PS5 presumably at that point will be my sony exclusive machine just because of that i mean we talked about this a bit last week that having these portable experiences where i'm not tethered to the tv is a huge like i really see that as a win for consumers and it's something that i would definitely take advantage of so that's honestly really gonna shape what i decide to do as a gamer next generation Hmm. now all this project x cloud news is great but you know what's even greater if all this project x cloud news was somehow in some way more Canadian. Well, good news, because Project xCloud Preview, or in preview format, I don't know how they want you to say it, uh, is gonna be available in Canada beginning January 29th, and you can sign up today. Honestly, I I think you all should do it, It, uh, just to experience it yourself, um, and hopefully they let you into it, that would be super swell i'm thinking about it i just don't know if my internet connection at home right now is probably good enough i'll i'll sign up for it and see what they give me but you know it in my experience if you can if you can stream a video um at like 720p you should be fine okay okay well i mean I can definitely do that. So I then if that's the case, then I think oh, I'm going to register right after we're done recording this podcast. Go for it. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a super clever segue for this last news story here. Uh, Damn, you've been on a roll. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I only have so much energy for that kind of stuff. 
Um, so I'll just jump right into it, uh, which is that apparently The Simpsons hit and run too. I don't know. It's weird. If everybody already says Simpsons hit and run, they never say The Simpsons, but I mean, that's probably most correct. Uh, apparently it was in the works at one point and even had a gameplay prototype. This is a story on Games Radar, uh, courtesy of Heather Wald. Uh, the Simpsons Hit and Run 2 was once in development before EA won the rights produced the Simpsons games. Hit and Run senior designer Joe McGinn revealed in an interview with Game Media that while there were some very early gameplay prototypes of the sequel to the madcap driving game based on Springfield, I remember our physics guru, Gray Mayer, got connected vehicles working, McGinn says, so you could have a trailer being pulled behind a car with some fun results. It's interesting to hear that ideas for a sequel were actually being worked on at some stage after the release of the first, but alas, it was not to be. We never got very far before EA won the right to the Simpsons movie game, McGinn explains, so sadly, there was nothing we could do but move on. Uh, I never actually owned Simpsons Hit and Run, uh, but I remember distinctly playing it many times at friends' houses, and I always thought it was a good, fun time. There were a countless number of Grand Theft Auto clones during ja that generation of games because everybody wanted to get in on Rockstar's Pie, and I felt like that was, while Simpsons Hit and Run didn't necessarily do a whole lot that was particularly innovative or evolved that formula in any substantial way, it was a just a well-polished, well-made fun game and i think that it managed to outlive a lot of other clones as a result of that yeah i just thought this was a really interesting kind of look behind the curtain of of how these things get made and the business dealings of of the simpsons franchise where it did go to ea when the much maligned film came out um kind of uh, nicked or nicked this one in the bud uh, is unfortunate like the film the game, film game yeah right? so if you, more so in the right. article uh, ea got the rights to develop simpsons games not just the movie game that was just the first game to come from that partnership so this game was essentially yeah. canceled because of that arrangement around the simpsons ip which mm -hmm. is unfortunate and it happens but eh, just a nice little what could have been yeah uh i now we just got to cross our fingers for that uh hd remaster for it Where's THQ? Where's THQ Nordic when we need them? I would kill for that. So wait, is that I haven't been paying too close attention. Is that HD remaster? It is happening, correct? No. It's rumored. Very 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 like vaguely rumored. Nothing concrete. I think people are just trying to will it into existence basically mm. because there's really been like I don't even know does EA still hold the rights to simpsons games because if that's the case then we're never getting it i don't know business is hard i don't know either i'm sure that with disney's acquisition of mm -hmm. fox they um tried their best to get out of any of those kind of pre-existing contracts so who knows well as you said yourself mitch business is hard but you know it's not hard it's our topic of the show which is a little game show this game show is called 5x5. Five Five. If you are familiar with the works of Kinda Funny, you may remember that they used to do a little game called Debatable, which was previously hosted by one Jared Petty before he betrayed the company and left in a hurry, and then briefly hosted afterwards by uh, a little man called Johnny Ace and Johnny Ace's doppelganger, uh, and then Johnny Ace had to return to his home planet and the show effectively died. Um, we decided, you know what, why not repurpose it? And give it a slap a new name on top of it and hope that nobody else will notice. So, the way that this works 
is that uh, my three friends over here will each be bringing forth four games that they believe uh, exemplify the best uh, in the topic that uh, we have decided upon for today. This topic, the best games of this past console generation. So for example, Mitch might say, you know what, I really think that Uncharted 4, as an example, not saying that that's something he is or isn't going to bring forward, uh, is a really great game. It is one of the best games of this past console generation. Let me explain why. And then we'll go around the room. Everybody else will bring their own games forward. We'll go twice around, three times around, uh, four times around, and then we will decide based on that where all the games rank as we go. Then after that, we will be getting into rounds two and round three, but I don't want to overload people with information right at the moment, so let's just start with round one. Let that hype build, baby. AJ, I'm giving you the floor to go first. Boo. Wow, clearly playing favorites. All right. Um, the, first, the first game that I think I'm going to nominate for Game of the Generation... Um, it eventually came to consoles, so I do believe it It somewhat counts, but it is the game specifically that started this nightmare scenario that we are in, and that is one game called PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Okay. I mean, I, I, I want to just interrupt for a quick second and say, I don't know what you were going for when you were saying that it started the nightmare that we're currently in. Fortnite is a nightmare and does not deserve to be on this list. Yeah, when do we get to rebuke this? Because you're at, because you're going first, it's going to go at number one, but you, you the onus is on you now to really <laughs> prove your point. The the latest trend that we, we are in with regards to um, battle royales were... A lot of people were, for the longest time, trying to copy it. It the, the 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 central point where that began to blow up was specifically PUBG. If it weren't for PUBG, Fortnite would still just be the what was it the the, the save the world the, yeah the save the world yeah that's the that's the name of it. Stop helping him. This is a game. <laughs> I can't help. I can't. I, I'm too Canadian. I want to be nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not competitive enough for this. I'm going to mop the floor with you, gentlemen. Okay, guys. We we, we have a long hour ahead of us. Let's okay. AJ keep on okay, ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Honestly, the there there is absolutely no denying the tremendous. Like, yes, Fortnite is huge. Fortnite is big, right? Sure, PUBG isn't as polished as you might like it to be but it, it it it's it's the inflection point it's 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 the it is the point in time that began the the trend of the the specifically the the battle royales and honestly i as over the last few years fewer types of games have really sparked imagination the way that a battle royale has and that initiated with PUBG, so it deserves to be on the list. All right, cool, cool. And indeed, it is on the list at number one. But how long will it remain there? We'll have Forever. to see when I ask Alex what he wants to put on the list next. Oh boy, do I go with a hot take right now or do I go with something safe? This is the question. You have to be 
You have to be strategic. Remember that. Hot takes, baby. Oh, I've got I've got a couple of those. I'm excited. Um, but I think I want to go with something a little bit safe right now because I just want to I want to get myself on the board. And so the game that I am going to pick as one of the best games of the generation, and I think it changed first-person shooters as we know it, and I hope that we see a lasting impact on it. And the answer is Doom 2016. Doom 2016 revived a dead franchise in Doom. Doom 3, people really didn't like all that much when it came out. I think it's got a better reception now in retrospect, but at the time, no one really gave a shit about it. And it wasn't really doing anything interesting. Like, they made Rage, and no one really cared about that. And Doom 4, when it was originally called that, no one really cared about that. Until it just became Doom 2016 when they rebooted it. And it's just such an amazing first-person shooter. It's kinetic playing on... Because I've played it on the PS4. I've played it on PC, like on a really good gaming PC. And both experiences have been incredible. It's so fast for a first-person shooter. It completely took away all of the let's hide behind cover, shoot, hide behind cover, shoot, and said, what if you just kept moving? What if all the animations are so fluid? What if you didn't need to aim? What if you didn't need to reload? But there's still so much strategy that goes behind every decision. You have to be thinking three moves ahead, two moves ahead. You have to be thinking like a mile a minute because if you're playing it on if you're playing it on the hardest difficulty, you can die instantly. And I think there's so much to it. It's so replayable. I don't know how many times I've played through the game. I absolutely love it. And I think it was such a great game. It had a really fun story that was in the background. It wasn't important, but you could you could um, experience it if you wanted to. Or you could be in the shoes of the Doom guy and it just think, what's the next thing I get to kill? And I think... There's so much to it. It's a really a beautiful looking game. Hell, it even works on the Nintendo Switch, which I haven't personally played that version of it, but from what I've been told, it works pretty well. And so the fact that you can have a game of that caliber on a handheld device, I think is something that should be noted. And so, yeah, my answer is Doom 2016. Next time we're together, you're trying this game on the Switch. That's where I own it. Oh, I would love to try it. Well, I gotta say, uh, you argued your case for Doom 2016 really, really well, um, and I'm gonna, you know, I need to put my uh, biases and experiences out there uh, for everybody to know. I have not played PUBG, and I have played Doom 2016. However, even though in theory I should give the benefit of the doubt to PUBG, I'm still hung up, AJ, on the fact that you started out by describing PUBG by saying it was the thing that got us into the shitstorm we are in today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, uh, th this Fortnite shitstorm that we are in today has... It should have started and ended with PUBG because PUBG was such a good moment. Every match felt like a horror movie. But then, you know, Fortnite came out and kind of ruined it in my opinion when we get to round two you're gonna have ample opportunity to kind of like reassess why PUBG is the goat basically and allow it to reclaim its Fair former enough. number one spot so keep that at Fair the back enough. of your mind for the time being all right the current ranking is doom at number one and PUBG at number two mitch 
Are you ready to make number three, two, or one? Oh, it's number one by a long shot, because if uh, Alex was going for, for one that's going to be up there, I'm going straight for the jugular, and I'm going with God of War. All right. Because if we're, if we're trying to place on this list, I'm putting my favorite game of all time right up there at the top. There, there's so much to say about God of War. It rebooted a franchise that most people had written off as being derivative, uh, paint-by-numbers almost. The last entry in the game on the PlayStation 3, God of War Ascension, was just, hey, let's do God of War with multiplayer. And at that point, you figure, okay, this franchise is dead. You're not bringing this back. But Corey Barlog and his team, they, they did something that I couldn't have even imagined of them doing with this franchise. They took it. They introduced a brand new gameplay mechanic that Leviathan Axe feels so satisfying to throw, bring back to use in combat. The writing is, is phenomenal. I didn't want to get out of my boat half the time because of the stories that were being told to me. <laughs> so I just sat there for hours with my, with Kratos in a boat, listening to the, to the, the backstory of these characters in this world. And I just, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And I'm going to try my best to stay away from spoilers, but the, the 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 father son journey the narrative they tell between Kratos and uh, Atreus is just it's beyond what I could have ever imagined a video game story being and that's why for me this has to be at the top of the list and it has to stay there all night long I'm gonna agree with you part way there I'm gonna put it at the top of the list I can't guarantee that it's gonna stay there all night long and in fact I want to let you know Alex and AJ when we get to round two the onus is on you to knock this to the bottom, all right? The bottom? That's such bullshit. I've, I've been thinking about my replies for... Because I knew I knew God of War was going to be on the list. If I wasn't oh, going to... Hold on a second. Oh. Hold on a second. Okay. Are you supposed to go next? I'm not going to... I wasn't going to make any points against it. I was just going to say that I prepared arguments against games that I had a feeling were going to be on the list. All right. All right. Totally fair. I'm not going to spoil what those are. Totally fair. If you had gotten into the arguments, I would have been forced to subtract 15 points from you. But um, I think that you managed to save yourself by the skin of your teeth. I, I know what I'm doing. All right. We'll see. AJ, <laughs> the circle has come around and the ball is back in your court. Oh, boy. So I thought long and hard about this. What game has had a bigger impact on society as a whole this generation? What game got people off their butts and outside that game is pokemon go and it is probably one of the most important (sighs) games that has come out this generation yes fuck i knew this was coming it if you can look back on youtube and see crowds and crowds of people all around the world racing (sighs) running across cities running across fields everything playing together it world Peace was achieved for a mo- for a blip, a moment in time, thanks to Pokemon Go. There is, there are few, few games that could have ever had that level of impact, and it, it, it made it made Pokemon real. They, they pretty well did that, and that it it deserves to be on this list absolutely for sure. I, I I'm I'm tearing up right now. That was so beautiful. I um. When I was living in uh, Japan in 2016, I had a really interesting experience playing that game where, of course, that game was also very, very popular in Japan. And I used to go to this one park in downtown Tokyo where after work, like 
Japanese businessmen and businesswomen by the hundreds would basically all go and play Pokemon Go in this one park. And they wouldn't be communicating with each other. They wouldn't be talking with each other. They would just be kind of like standing around in one area. Then somebody at the other end of the park would notice, oh, hey, shit, a Driftini just spawned here. A really like, popular Pokemon just spawned here. Everybody, silently, without saying anything, would just immediately start walking towards the other end of the park. It was freaky like nothing else I had experienced before. And for that reason, it's got to go to number one. Hell that yeah. is such bullshit. I'm going to knock it down. You just wait. Oh, well, you'll have to wait a little bit longer because Alex is technically going next. Okay. Well, one of my picks has definitely been stolen because Pokemon Go um, was definitely on my list. But no matter, I've still got plenty of others to pull from. And so the next game that I think, I think just deserves more recognition because I just think it did something very unique with a very familiar game and that game is tetris effect on the ps4 tetris mm -hmm. effect i think takes a game like tetris which everyone has played everyone knows what tetris is and did something really new with it it created a unique experience with it with music visuals if you've played it in vr it is an almost out of body experience in a way the way that your controller the way that the lights glow on it. It's the first time I've ever really enjoyed having the light bar on my PS4 controller. Um, the way that it vibrates along with the songs, it makes you feel like you're part of it because every vibration is in sync with the music, no matter what move you do. It just takes a game like Tetris, which is already, in some ways, the perfect game, and enhances it even further than I don't think was anyone thought was possible everyone thought tetris was perfect on the game boy but i personally think that tetris effect is the best version of tetris because it just it feels so good to play it really enhances more senses than just like touch and sight like it just it hits everything except for smell we're not there yet but i think it's just such a visceral experience that i think everyone needs to experience you just need to be on a, the biggest screen possible or a VR headset and just have like really nice audio and just let it just experience it. Cause I don't think it's just a game. I think it's an experience. You argued your points very, very, very well. However, I was disappointed that you did not bring up what I personally think to be the superior Tetris experience of this past console generation which was Tetris 99. That's fair. And that's, that's good, too. Again, you argued your points very well, so I'm not going to put you low on the list, but I'm afraid that I can't put you any higher than the number three slot. So above Doom, but below God of War. All right, Mitch, what's your second one? Looking at my list, I, I can see so many good arguments against what everyone else is saying. Um... So all these games are great. They've been moments. They've been experiences. People have, have truly enjoyed this generation. But for me, the game that has defined this generation and changed what we think about action-adventure games as a whole that is being emulated nowhere near to as perfect as this game was is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. There wasn't any reason day one to go out and buy a Switch except for this game. This game changed the way we look at action-adventure games as a whole. It took a formula for a game that's existed for, what, 
if you want to look at the 3D Zelda games since the N64 days, or just as a whole since back in the NES days, and completely turned it on its head while still maintaining that core character, like not not characters in the the individual like Link or Zelda or whatever, but just the way that game feels, the way that story is presented, the 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 artistry behind like you could tell that they spent you could tell that the amount of years that nintendo put into making this game was well worth it once the game came out because we were first shown this game back on the wii u days and when we were first shown it we didn't know it was going to be a switch title and it ended up being the the single greatest reason not the only reason mind you to own a switch year one was to own this game and be part of that zeitgeist talk about this game I, I have friends who are playing through this game now and are just baffled by what they've done with the physics system. It's 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 a work of art. It is arguably the best game of this generation. Unfortunately, while I actually have played a fair bit of uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I personally never found it to be my personal cup of tea, to be honest. I, and as a result, I didn't go through with it in its entirety. However... You made a very specific point of stating that The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was one of the one of the greatest reasons to uh, own a Switch, not the only reason to own a Switch, which means that in theory, you are leaving room for Tetris 99. So I'm going to put it above Tetris Effect at number three. Fine, fine. I can understand that. And you, you, you pulled the wind out under my sails for that one because that was my argument coming back for round two. But... We'll see if we come back to that. I mean, you're, you're currently occupying the number two and the number three slots of this list. But it's not number one, and it's wrong, and you know it, and I'm going to fix that. <sighs> AJ, what's your third pick? So, my third pick is a game that came out at a time where Game of Thrones was good. And everybody was was itching for a little bit more of that. A little bit more of that. But, you know, George R.R. Martin's trying to write not going to write his book or something like that but then there was this game this game came out in 2015 it's called the witcher 3 the witcher 3 fit into a world where like i said game of thrones was good and everybody was super hyped for it and scratched that itch of needing to continue in this world in a world like it um after the season of the year had finished not to mention it's now been revitalized at the end of last year and the beginning of this one um with the the witcher tv show that has just come out and that in itself re-encouraged people to go and rediscover this game and realize how good it actually was and i know i realize my answers and and my my debate here it's, it's fairly short, fairly sweet, but it absolutely deserves to be on this list for not only coming out at a time when the world needed it, but after the world turned on Game of Thrones and then the show, the, the show itself revitalized it so well and hard to articulate just how important this game is and why it should be there. I've thought long and hard about this. I thought long and hard. And Mitch George, you know, I can see on Discord is trying to influence my opinion. I'll I'll let that slide. I won't let it influence uh, what I currently think. Uh, however, points. I've been thinking about it. 
And you know what? There was a brief shining moment in the history of the internet, if you recall, where it seemed like we were going to get a Legend of Zelda Netflix series, and it never happened. So the fact that you reminded me that The Witcher got a Netflix series and The Legend of Zelda did it makes me have to put it above The Legend of Zelda. That has nothing to do with how the game plays. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I'd argue PUBG's a better game than The Witcher 3. Welcome to Debatable. I need to roil you guys up so that the debates will be spicy. You know that, right? That's the way these work. Hey, you heard it here first. Or you can make a good list. Well, again, you ha the list is entirely in your hands. I'm just a, you know, uh, what's the term? Like, uh, you know, like the person with the He's skills. The yeah, exactly. I'm just a moderator. You're, my, you're, 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 you're the Alex Trebek to my, um, what was the name of the guy that won all the games of Jeopardy, which will be me yeah. by the end of this. Yeah. You're that person. Yeah. Well, well, I'm that person. <laughs> Alex. Ooh, man. There's some, there's, you know, there's some room for improvement on this list is what I'm thinking. Um, and so. Uh-huh. So, Agreed. I mean, what do I do? Do I follow my heart or do I follow my mind and go with some easy picks? I don't know. What whatever you're whatever you're doing, you're following a bad decision, so it can't be all that bad. Yeah. Um I would say this is going to kind of go in line with The Witcher 3 in some ways. I would say Red Dead Redemption 2 should be on this list. I think Red Dead Redemption 2 did, took everything that was set up in the first game, even though it is a prequel, it still was taking a lot of the things that was set up, things like the character of Dutch, the things like John Marston as a character, and expanded upon it in such a way that I thought was very thoughtful. The storytelling in that game, I honestly think, is better than God of War. I think God of War does things well, but I think Red Dead Redemption did it way better. Um, I think Arthur Morgan is one of the best protagonists I've ever played in a game. I think Arthur Morgan is, like, you know where he's coming from by the beginning of the game, and by the end, you complete, he's a completely different person, That, but it feels believable. I think the game was just so huge and so all-encompassing, and I never felt like there was never something to do. I was always encapsulated. It's one of the games, it is the game on my PS4 that I have the most amount of hours played into it because I just wanted to experience that world. I think all of the side quests, there was so much to do, so much to explore, so much to figure out, so much to find out about this world that I thought was so great. I thought there was so much detail put into it by Rockstar that I think shouldn't go unnoticed, but some of it does just because it's so minute. Um, I think Red Dead Redemption is an amazing story, and for just saying, for $90 Canadian, you got your fucking money's worth. It is a fantastic game, and I enjoyed every second of it, all 95 hours I put into it. You know, you raised a lot of good points, and the last thing that you said, you know, rang especially true. It, it can be pretty frustrating to walk into a game store and be like, Oh man, this AAA game is going to be great. Ah, shit, $90? And it's weird, because I feel like we don't apply the same kind of logic when we're buying clothes or food, but it is good knowing that this, you know, amazing AAA game that we're picking up is also well worth uh, the amount of money that you're paying for it in terms of hours that you're going to log into it. And 
for that reason, and also partially because I feel a little bit bad about the fact that Tetris Effect and Doom are currently at number five and number six, I'm going to put you at number three with Red Dead Redemption 2. This list is a travesty, and I do not support it in any way. All right, Mitch. Okay. My next game is arguably one of the greatest games of all time. It is one of the best-selling games of all time. It is the best-selling game in its genre, and I can see at least four games here that have had character requests for that game come from those games. And I know I'm beating a dead horse here when it comes to my boy Nintendo, but one of the best games of this generation, if not the best, is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. So you take what is the best-selling fighting game of all time that's only been out for, what, a year and a bit? You take every not- every major notable... Like, Sakurai did something with that game that no one thought he could do. He was able to get everybody to play nice together, to get every character, every stage every song that's ever been in a Smash Brothers game back for this one game, which is just, I don't know how he did it. He's a wizard. And we continue to get content that people are ravenous for. People love the mini little Sakurai directs when he goes in and plays the same character for 40 minutes with three controllers at one time because he's some sort of weird demigod that can do crazy things with video games. And you can see the love and care and attention that he and his team have put into this game, bringing together so many iconic characters, bringing in characters from Microsoft when it comes to Banjo and the recently announced Cuphead skin. You look at representation from some of the greatest games of all time, like Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, There have been requests for Doomguy to be added to smash brothers there's been requests for tetronomos to be added to smash brothers there's been requests for kratos to be added to smash brothers people just want to see all of these iconic characters come together battle it out and you all like i could lose 17 games of smash in a row and i would still be having a good time with my friends when i play this game because what they've done with the systems and the mechanics is just it's above and beyond any other fighting game we've had this generation and is arguably one of the greatest games of all time let alone of this generation you argued your point very well mitch however thank you i feel like your answer is incomplete because aj brought up a very good point on discord and his point is the words fire and emblem in quotes i don't i don't really know that's bullshit no, hold on, hold on, you, hold on, you said on, earlier on. we weren't looking at discord i'm not saying your 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 uh choice of super smash bros ultimately is disqualified I just think you need to argue right here, right now, 30 seconds, why it's bullshit. If you think it's bullshit. Why what is, why, why what is bullshit? Saying Fire yeah, Emblem? If you, if you think it's, uh, if it is bullshit, you can say why it's bullshit. If you don't think it's bullshit and you agree that, yeah, it's a problem, you can say it's a problem. I would argue that it's not a problem. Sakurai is bringing together characters he feel will mesh well within this universe, within this game, keeping it balanced as best he can with the number of characters that we're adding this, to this game. Fighting games rely on a well-balanced system the fire emblem characters are some of the like some of the best performing characters when it comes to competitive smash people are fans of these characters whether or not they know them from fire emblem or from smash there were a lot of times where a character was introduced in smash before it was introduced in its own fire emblem game and his affinity for that series like this game is absolutely a love letter to that series because it's something he loves And that's fine because he's given us such a masterpiece when it comes to the game he's put together. 
he deserves the opportunity to bring together the characters that he wants to see in this game. And honestly, if he keeps giving us, like we are getting six more DLC fighters between now and December 30, December of 2021. None of, I would bet you that none of those are going to be Fire Emblem characters. He got it in here and every other character that's going to come after this is going to be a banger. Just like the first four characters of the DLC pass have been. And once Byleth comes out next week, you can bet your bottom dollar that people are going to enjoy playing that character because of how diverse its weapon set is in the game compared to other Fire Emblem characters. That was very well argued, um, but that was way more than 30 seconds, so that has to be number two. I'll take it. Bullshit, but I'll take it. All right, AJ, the final rotation. What's your fourth pick? Oh, boy. So the fourth game that I, I choose to nominate here, I credit it with helping me better understand what it might be like to be interested in sport. This game came out in 2016, consoles and PC, and immediately was a hit and has since spawned a league of its own. And that game is called Overwatch. Overwatch being the uh, competitive character shooter, it did something different from other competitive games and it brought a lot of heart into a space where where there where there wasn't so you think of something like uh csgo where great game competitively right but all it is is literally one team versus the other by buying the odd weapon here and there between rounds and you know pull the trigger other guys dead strategy behind overwatch and team builds and seeing what works with what and and everything it it made me understand sports in general a lot more than i anticipated it would and that is why i think it should be on this list you know what i'll give you the number five spot i think that i i can't quite bring myself to get jazz about overwatch in the way that you can but i think that you raised an interesting you made an interesting argument about the game that I've never heard anybody make before. I've never heard anyone be like, oh yeah, this digital video game with its, you know, eccentric cast of characters and, you know, unrealistic physics and weapons in the universe made me understand something better in real life. <laughs> so I'll give you the number five spot. All right, Alex, what's your number four pick? Okay, well, my goal here is to knock PUBG off the list because that does not deserve to be on this list at all. So what I'm going to say is, ooh, I've got a I've got two that I, I think really should be on here. I'm going to pick one that I really think encapsulates the generation well, and that's going to be Destiny 2. I think Destiny as a franchise was very interesting because it started the generation with, being super hyped up and it comes out and honestly the first one kind of disappointing it starts off in a really really bad place then it starts to it starts to get some expansions that are also disappointing but then it gets a good expansion that really starts to turn the game around that's just the first one like i'm putting destiny 2 on the list because here's the thing destiny 2 did the same fucking thing it releases it's not that great when it comes out in 2017. They get a couple of expansions. The expansions are pretty not great. But as soon, like, first off, then Forsaken comes out. Forsaken is very, very good. Forsaken starts to, starts to correct it a little bit, starts to make those changes. 
I'm I see some skept some skepticism, but I'm just saying it's the start. But then, then something really key happens last year. Bungie and Activision split, and that was huge because literally weeks after that decision was made, the game immediately started to make really really consumer friendly choices like crossplay on everything. I can play Destiny 2 on my PC, then if I want to, start playing it on my PS4 if I want to. Then if I had an Xbox, I could play it on there and all have the same character. That's huge for Destiny because that was one of the big things. It's like I have people who play on PC, I have some people who play on PS4. I can't play, I couldn't play with them both because I was mostly playing on PC. But now I can jump I can have my character jump back and forth between them. And so I think that was a really that was like a crucial decision to why Destiny 2 is in such a great spot that it's in now and I think it's only going to get better. I think because Bungie has talked about how they want to continue to update this game for the better um and support Destiny 2. Like under Activision, they would have probably made Destiny 3, which would have probably been in a very bad spot when it came out because Activision would have forced them to release it when they really didn't need to. So I think these are big, big uh, things that are crucial to Destiny. And also, just talking about it just uh, on a gameplay level, it's just fun. Bungie has perfected first-person shooter on console, on PC. Like, it's just a fun game to play. It's fun to play, whether it be competitive, fun to do raids. Like, the raids are so much... Like, yeah, they're a time investment, but they're so... They really are just like you get invested in it and you want to stay on for multiple hours to finish whatever you're doing. So I think Destiny 2 really encapsulates the games as a service that this generation was really consistent of, but like showed the redemption that a game like it can have that I think is just something that needs to be recognized. Here's the thing, Alex. I'm not sure where I land. And the reason why is because he said that it feels and plays great. However, I had the pleasure of playing both Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends before I got into Destiny 2. And after playing both of those games, I was kind of disappointed by the way that you couldn't really slide in Destiny 2. I want you to argue and explain to me why it is that the sliding Destiny 2 is perfectly fine the way it is. Um. Well, I think that the sliding... it. Yeah, it's, I think Apex and Titanfall, they rely on it more, where I think Destiny is more of a verticality type um, experience, which I know Titanfall is as well, but I think the verticality in Destiny is different because it's more floaty, and which in that case is a pretty good thing, because I think it also flows well with the characters that you have by having like the, um, not supernatural abilities, I can't think of the word to describe them, but I think it just I think it all just meshes well, and I think, uh, personally, I didn't have a problem with the sliding. Um, I understand saying that it might not be as good as these other options, but I think it makes up for it in just, like, the abilities that you get uh, for all the classes, uh, whether it be Titan, Hunter, or um, Vanguard, and I think it's just, like, I think it just meshes well with the, just the, st uh, the art style choices and just overall feeling. I still don't know how I feel about the slide. However, I do respect somebody who says, you know what? It wasn't an issue for me personally. So for that reason, I'm going to put it at number five. 
I, I, I don't even know how to react to where Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is right now on this list. I'm just, I'm on, the, I, uh, I'm on the verge of tears. All right, Mitch. Your time has come. Fine, fine. Okay. The last game that we're adding to this list, it does something different than every other game on this list. It is inspired by some of the greatest games of all time and in some cases surpassed them in what it was able to accomplish. It comes from a small studio, a small dev team that put their heart and souls into this game and it shows in the product. And that game, my friends, is Shovel Knight. So Shovel Knight is arguably the best 8-bit game that has been released in this past console generation it has surpassed anything that i could have initially thought about this game when i first heard about it on kickstarter they promised a few expansions and some multiplayer i'm just like what's mm-hmm. the there's nothing real special about this game when you first hear about it and then you play it and the the precision physics in this game the precision platforming they have is bar none the best we've seen this generation they do something that is unique to their game, yet inspired by great games of the past. They've stuck to their guns. They released all the DLC they promised. Every expansion has been a banger and has been so much fun to play through with the different uh, with the different knights. They brought that multiplayer element, which is a fun, nice little co- uh, couch competitive a la Smash game. It, it Nice time, time sync when you have some friends over. They... Uh, the, the, there's not much more I can say about this game. The, the, the soundtrack is phenomenal. They, it's just, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's one of the best games we've had this generation and arguably one of the best eight bit platformers we've ever had. And that's why that has to place on this list. So personally, when I played shovel Knight way back when it came out, I wasn't super blown away. I'm like, this is a well-made balanced, polished, uh, 2d kind of eight bit inspired platformer. But I thought that, I don't know. It, it was maybe, maybe like, of, can I, can I, can I interject? Think about it yeah. this way. If you look at this list, all you see are games that have been funded and put out by large AAA publishers and platform holders. What would it say to our audience and to the folks out there to say, no, even a small single digit person dev team who put their, put the bootstraps on, who 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 go to work every day and build something beautiful regardless of its scale is deserving of placing on a list as prestigious as the one that you're putting together right now you know what that's a really good point and for that reason i'm gonna put it above destiny 2 at number five just because for the for the metaphor of it being this small lovingly crafted game as opposed to and not to like crap on destiny 2 too much but you know it is a game that has for a very long time had like a bunch of fingers in the pot everybody's sort of trying to control it it's getting kind of like pushed and pulled around in every which direction and the way it's currently at today is in a good spot and it's improving and it's getting better but i feel like you can't kind of like you can't be the sublime like you know narrative of just a small group of people you know pouring their hearts and uh passion into uh you know making shovel knight the best little game it can be and just to add to that if you haven't yet played the latest expansion to it king of cards they introduced a card game uh very similar to gwent from the witcher that is just a blast to play like i spent hours just playing that part of the dlc not even playing through king knight's story like it's what they're doing with that game is just phenomenal. It's, they've put together a really great package. All right, then. So the list as it currently stands is as follows. Number 12, PUBG. 
Number 11, Doom. Oh, I should mention, PUBG was submitted by AJ. Doom was submitted by Alex. Tetris Effect at number 10 by Alex. Number 9, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild by Mitch. Number 8, The Witcher 3 by AJ. Number 7, Overwatch by AJ. Number 6, Destiny 2 by Alex. Number 5, Shovel Knight by Mitch. Number 4, Red Dead Redemption 2 by Alex. Number 3, God of War 2018 by Mitch. Number 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate by Mitch. And number 1, Pokemon Go by AJ. Now, before we go into round two, should, I need to let everybody in the audience know that at the moment, neither Doom nor PUBG are eligible for any points. Uh, numbers six through 10 are eligible for one point, and numbers one through five are eligible each for two points. So if you want to know at the moment, the point balance stands at AJ with four, Alex with four, and Mitch with seven. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, I you, got you. Knowing that information off the top of your head does not give you an advantage in the next round, however. I was just because... keeping track. Scroll down in the dock. All right. All right. All <laughs> just right. Just helping out my, my, my fellow host. I appreciate it very much. In any case, we're on now to the second round. And in the second round, I'm going to ask each person to consider one game that I previously put rather low on the list and argue why it deserves to be better than specifically one other game on the list. And if I think that your argument is persuasive, I'll switch, uh, I'll put it above. If I do not think it's persuasive, it will remain as it currently is. Clear as mud? Okay, good. AJ, what game do you have on this list that you think deserves to go above one of your competitors' choices? Oh, boy. I'm looking at... PUBG. And I think specifically... Now, for, it needs to be reminded, PUBG is currently at the bottom of this list. And this is a game that has had a fair bit of Absolutely. bad mojo surrounding it throughout the entirety of this game. So this is a, a risky move. You know that, right? I absolutely understand and i am willing to take this risk i think it deserves to go above shovel knight all right one thing that rarely gets talked about in the, the greater scheme of games itself is the marketplace in which the game was purchased okay. a lot of the the talk in marketplaces and on whether it be playstation or xbox or steam pc for some of us dorks, is specifically when it comes to something like loot box. Now, PUBG, not perfect, also has loot boxes. Bit of a dirty word in the, in the game space, which is great. So does Overwatch. It also has loot boxes. So does Destiny. It also has loot boxes. So when you think of the marketplace and anybody's aversion to it is to buying items in a game one it's you, you don't want to buy anything for competitive advantage PUBG doesn't have that that's great but cosmetics why can't you just buy cosmetic the specifically the one the cosmetic that you want to make your your character look the way you want it to in PUBG, you can absolutely do that um through the steam marketplace in a market that is controlled by the people so it, it's not like you're paying five dollars for a shirt you might one day but the next day the market for that shirt might crash suddenly it's only worth three cents but you really wanted that shirt you can get it for three cents three cents as a to buy what you want instead of a dollar for a key to open a chest to maybe get it go to the marketplace and buy 
any cosmetic item that you want to customize your character the way you want. And that is something that people tend to completely overlook. And I think it would be a great disservice to this list to not have such an achievement be placed upon it. Before we, I decide whether or not to put PUBG above Shovel Knight, uh, I need to break the fourth wall for just a quick little sec here. Uh, Mitch George brought up a very important point, which is that uh, does he get a chance to rebut uh, what you're saying, considering he's arguing against his game? Um, and it is a fair point, which I, we didn't really kind of bring up earlier. Um, I mean, I realize that, like, obviously you wouldn't appreciate AJ if he had an opportunity to speak up against what you're saying. But do you think that that's fair? I think if he could have a, if he has a point, because I realize the two games are different. If he has a point that can greatly outweigh the point that I made with regards to the marketplace and being able to buy whatever you want when you want, I think he should be given the opportunity, just like I would hope to have the opportunity to defend my game. Alex, do you have any opinion on the matter? No, I think that's completely fair. I think like you should be able to get rebuttals. I think we should try to not go overboard because we, honestly, at a certain point, we could just go back, forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I think you just try to keep it to like mostly just just defending or rebuttaling against the point that was made and not trying to bring up new points. Might be difficult, but. All right, Mitch, you don't have a lot of time, but I'm seeing you to floor to offer your rebuttal. Okay, I have a lot to say. I will keep it to that one point as per Alex's request. You have a marketplace that allows whoever the market dictates what people want and what they don't want. You know what's nicer than having a marketplace is a game where you pay a single price and you get all of the content. Doesn't matter when it's released, however many years after it came out. The original Shovel Knight, I believe, came out in 2014, right? And DLC all the way up until December of this year, of this past year, 2019, was free to anyone who bought the entire Shovel Knight Treasure Trove collection. And that value for the dollar you spend greatly outweighs anything a marketplace may decide to do for cosmetics in a game where, honestly, we're getting away from a time where cosmetics were just cheat codes or unlocks. And now you have to pay for these things, which I don't think is fair to the consumer. And what is fair is just having one price for one game end to end. See, here's the thing. AJ, you argue your point really, really well. But I feel like it was kind of a mistake to specifically put PUBG up against Shovel Knight. Like, it, it wasn't even like an apples to oranges kind of comparison. It was like an apples to computers. Like, it was just like, here's like, let's say why this one vastly different thing is better than this other vastly different thing. I feel like if you had put it up against something like, I don't know, like Super Smash Brothers Ultimate or Red Dead Redemption 2, where I feel like there is at least this similarity in that they are these two like big AAA games that offer online services in some sort of capacity, I would have at least been able to, you know, you know, side with you a little bit more. But I feel like you were bringing up a lot of points about how, you know, PUBG is doing all these things for online games that other online games are doing. That I'm like, well, what, what, how is this really kind of relevant to why it's better or not better than Shovel Knight? I hear you. We will, we will have to d defer to your judgment. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the game is not, yeah, the game is not over for you yet, sir, but I'm afraid that PUBG is going to have to stay where it currently is for the time being. Alex, what game do you want to try and put higher on this list? Doom is criminally too low, for sure. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to take a big risk here 
and have it go say that it should be at number three where God of War is. Now, here's the thing. God of War, it's a good game. Mm -hmm. It's very good. It's one of my favorites on the PS4. Not gonna lie. I can't deny that. I can't deny that aspect of it. But here's what I will say. God of War does very similar things to every other Sony first party. It might do it very well, like it does it well, like telling a very unique story, but you know, you still can get that experience in Uncharted 4. You can get that experience in The Last of Us, especially The Last of Us, and you can get that experience in mostly most of Sony's other first party games. That's what they do, is they make third person action adventure games. Doom is different. Doom does something unique to unlike most of the games that came out this generation. It is a it doesn't need to be a cinematic experience. It doesn't it doesn't need to be an interactive story. It doesn't need to have all these buzzwords associated with it. You know what Doom is? Doom is a fun game. Doom is a fun game that you can load up at any time, anywhere in it and just have a great time. You can play it on any of the difficulties and it's just a fun shooter that does something different it's like i just have to keep bringing up the other points that i made earlier is just it's so kinetic it's so fast it's so fluid in all of its animations and it just feels good to play and you can play it on anything that's available for this generation and i think like it has a story it doesn't need to be its focus though which i feel like so many games in sony's first party that's kind of the thing that they've got going for it where i feel like if I want to have a great cinematic experience, I'm going to go watch a movie. You're arguing that movies are more cinematic than video games on a video game podcast. Mitch, once more, keep it short, sweet, and concise. I will agree with you on the fact that many of Sony's first-party studios develop games with phenomenal stories. Each one, though, does bring something unique to the table. We haven't seen a story like Kratos' and Atreus's when it comes to the redemption of the main antagonist, where it comes to how he treats his son. Like there are story points we get to in that game, regardless of the mechanics of the game, the game plays really well. It's very fluid. It's very dynamic. The, all the animations you feel, you feel every strike of that ax in that game. It's not that it's as fast or difficult to look at, especially on a smaller screen, like the switch, the way that doom is, and it's easy enough to follow the combat instead of getting lost in how much ammo do I need? Where is this? Where is that? I don't know. Whereas you have a game that is that knows the story it wants to tell, optimizes for the hardware that it's on, so it's able to tell that story without hiccups, unlike how on the Nintendo Switch I had hiccups while playing Doom 2016. Also, stop picking on my games. You just have the most in the top five. I've got to be gunning for you. Because they're the best games of the generation. Hmm. I feel very conflicted about this. However, I will say, I only recently started God of War. I'm not super far into it. What I played of it, I had some mixed feelings about because I distinctly remember, you know, swinging around Kratos' axe and attacking some enemies and thinking, this combat system feels a lot more... How should I say? It feels a lot more similar to a lot of other AAA games around it. It doesn't really kind of remind me of the distinct God of War combat that I enjoyed so much before. And Alex, you raised a very important point, which is that Doom, although it is a shooter, it is a shooter that feels really distinctly different from everything else around it. 
So I'm afraid, Absolutely. Mitch, that I'm going to have to put Doom above God of War 2018. Hell yes, justice is served! Oh man, I've never been happier to see anything in my entire life. This list is bullshit. All right, Mitch, it's time to put your words into action. Tell us what you think is bullshit. What's bullshit about this list is how criminally low The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is on it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna regret this, but I would argue that The Legend mm -hmm. of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a better video game than Pokemon Go. My reasons for this are that Pokemon Go is not a good game. It is a, a fun experience. It is something, it is a mm -hmm. social experiment that I would argue did achieve what it set out to do. But it's also a game littered with microtransactions, has led to numerous real-life arguments and fights over digital goods, which no one wants to see. It was incredibly buggy when it first launched. It was almost impossible to get into the game, and when you could, all you were catching were Pidgeys. It continues to be buggy to this day, how with each subsequent update, Niantic finds some way to break something that did work previously. For example, they had an IV checker in the search bar of the game. For whatever reason, two or three updates ago, it just stopped working. They did end up fixing it, but the game has been a buggy mess since it launched. And this is coming from someone who plays this game every day. It is a fun experience. It had its moment in the sun that summer that it came out, but they have not done enough to improve the game over time. All they've done is thrown more Pokemon into it and thrown more microtransactions and ways to put money into this game than any other game on this list. And for that anti-consumerism, I believe that The Legend of Zelda, which is a self-contained, beautiful, single-player, narrative-driven, yet totally open-ended experience that does something different than anything else on this list, where every other game on this list is driven towards a goal. Legend of Zelda, you can do it however you want. Pokemon Go is just out to try and get your money. AJ, why is Mitch wrong? Before I get to that, I'd like to call a brief pause here. I just want some clarification on the rules. If my argument for PUBG and the marketplace had nothing to do with Shovel Knight, we're arguing best game of the generation, correct? Uh-huh. Yes, and Pokemon Go is mechanically not a good game. It's still a game. And it is a game, I will give you that. Yes. In, in, in terms of Pokemon Go versus Breath of the Wild, bo both are video games, and both are very, very great experiences. One, only one of them, can you say, got people out of, out of the house and got them moving. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, in that regard, just another video game. Pokemon Go does something different. Your point in the market thing, there is no market in Breath of the Wild, but I made the PUBG argument of a market, and your, your argument was still, there is no market in Shovel Knight. Okay, so that means we should switch Shovel Knight and PUBG then, because if we can make the same argument and potentially switch Pokemon Go, then we should there, there should be an argument to switch Shovel Knight and PUBG. I think the overall story of all, all of these games... De debated or not, uh, the, I think you know the truth, and I defer to your judgment. But I'm arguing the same point that kept Shovel Knight where it is. So by your logic, Zelda should go above Pokemon Go. To be honest, the fact of the matter is that I continue to want to take steps when I play Pokemon Go every day, and I don't know when I'm ever going to step once more into Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The list stays as it currently is. <laughs> Got him! 
man, I was I was really hoping it was gonna get higher. I really wanted to argue against Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I was really hoping you were gonna pick Red Dead to go against it. I almost did. I almost did. I I actually have like some good arguments against why I don't think it's that great of a game. Like I think it's good. I just don't think it's like amazing. It's better than many games that are on this list, and where it is right now is a travesty. And the internet would agree with me. <laughs> Critics around the world would agree with me by the fact that it is, what, the third highest rated video game of all time on Metacritic? Something like that? And where's Pokemon Go on that list? Okay, let's come back to Earth because we have one last round that we need to get through, and it's about 16 minutes to 9 p.m. So let's uh, try and get this over with as soon, but also as I w- not to you know rush it as much as possible. Um, in the third round, I am going to bring forth three new games and I will select one of you at random, um, to, uh, basically vouch for why this game, uh, is a great game. Uh, and I will decide based on that where it lands on the list and that may potentially bump up your current points. Alex, I see that you have your hand raised. Yeah. I've got to just, what if we've never played the game? Do we still have to argue it or can we like say that and you pick a different game? I will, if you have not played the game, what I've decided is that I will re-roll what current uh, game you're going to choose. And if the second time around, even if you haven't played it, you still got to argue for it. Fair enough. All right. Uh, I'm going to head over to ye old random number generator uh, com. I'm going to input a minimum and a maximum, uh, minimum and maximum values of one and three. And Alex, you're going to be up first. All right, hit me. I inputted the random number generator again, and I arrived at Resident Evil 2 Remake. Ooh, okay. Um, I've played it. I've only played like two hours of it. I can argue mm-hmm. it if you want, but I just thought I would clarify that. Okay. Once again, the rules are you can argue for it or you can choose to roll again but if the second one is something that you're not comfortable with too bad okay i'll take I was gonna say i thought the rules were if we'd played it uh I, it's up Mitch, to you i know you're it's up to you uh i mean ultimately, i'll argue it honestly i don't mind i i, I, I mean to, to break uh the fourth wall for just a second here like i, I mean i think that ultimately do you guys think that it's fair for them to request to be able to roll it again uh, whether... Oh, for sure. If you want to take the risk, go for it. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I like about it. I like the idea of like, hey, you could potentially land on a game that you've played a little bit more, or you could potentially land on something even worse. That's why I was yeah. saying, yeah. You know what? I'll stick to Resident Evil 2. I don't really, I don't like my chances. Okay. All right. Alex, why is Resident Evil 2 one of the greatest games of the previous console generation? Well, I think Resident Evil 2 does something very special. It takes a game from the PlayStation 1 that was very, very renowned, uh, which being Resident Evil 2, obviously, and makes it an even better game. It completely turned it around. It took all of the things that made Resident Evil Resident Evil great, which is being the horror factor, and really like enhanced that, in it, but with modern sensibilities to it as well, like the fact that you can aim and shoot at the same time. Um, I think things I think things that um, are should be really appreciated about it is like the sound design. I got up to the point where you do reach Mr. X. Uh, I don't know how long that is into the game. And just the fact that I mean Mr. X in general 
is one of the things that makes that game so incredibly tense all the time. And I think when you're making a horror game, to have somebody be on edge all the time is, I think, kind of what you're aiming for in a lot of ways. And so just the sound design with him of how you can hear him in like three rooms away, you can hear those faint footsteps, I think is something that's really great. I think um, the fact that he's always there in like, have you guys seen that that clip of like people going on the PC version going like outside the game walls and you can actually see that Mr. X is always persistent. He's always going to be around. And so I think things like that are just like the little details like that, I think are so crucial to that game. And I think the lighting is really great. It looks amazing on PS4. Um, just it's and also I can't attest to this personally, but it's a very short experience for what, um, which, you know, with people who have really busy lives, um, sometimes shorter is better. And so you get just enough, maybe wanting more, but you still get a very satisfying experience regardless. So I think it's a very, very amazing horror experience that I am just, I can't wait to play more of it. I'm still probably going to pick up Resident Evil 3 in just the hopes that it's anywhere near how great Resident Evil 2 Remake was. I think you raised a lot of really interesting, good points. And you know what? At the Game Awards this past year, well, unfortunately, uh, Resident Evil Remake Resident Evil 2 Remake got a little bit snubbed. It did have that really cool uh, song during the Game Awards where that guy was just going ham on the microphone. So for that reason, I'm going to slide it in at number five above Red Dead Redemption Above 2. Above games that oh, won yeah. Game of the Year at the Game Awards. How dare you, sir? The Game Awards isn't an objective uh, body. <laughs> They're subjective just like everyone else. And this list is subjectively horse shit. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I can taste the salt. You just pushed Zelda off this list. I hope you know that. Like, Did I? <laughs> Yes. I didn't even notice. That's why this doesn't make any oh, sense. <laughs> well, I mean, it would have been a little bit cruel if I put Resident Evil 2 Remake directly at number 11. You do but know you that, had right? to because it's a, Zelda's a better game than Resident <laughs> Evil 2. I wouldn't. <sighs> All right. Mitch, it's your lucky day. <laughs> the random number generator gods have chosen you to go next. And the game that you are going to be arguing is Sunset Overdrive. Don't own an Xbox One. Okay. You want me to re-roll? Please. All right. Okay. The new game that you're going to be arguing, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. All right. I can argue for that. Horizon Zero Dawn is a game that actually took me a couple of attempts to really get into. I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of gamer where if, like, if, I, go, if I walk away from a, an open world experience for a bit and come back to it, I have no idea where I'm starting from. So I end up typically restarting that game. Horizon was one of those games for me. That's just my gaming habits. It says nothing about the game itself. I came back to the game when they released the Frozen Wilds DLC and I was able to get the whole complete box as one succinct game. And my God, the like the, the variety of weapon, the way you can approach every problem, the way you can just run away from whatever's chasing you, a la Mr. X, but you know, cooler because they're robot dinosaurs. Um, the way the game handles its story, the, the the characters, again, going back to this point of Sony first party, know how to write characters really well. 
you're looking at a studio that had really only made the Killzone games up to this point, and to give to to have a game come out of that studio, given the the love and care that Horizon Zero Dawn was given, given the time to gestate appropriately, it it came out and it was a banger right out of the gate, made even better when they released the DLC. So much so that people are already anticipating a game that hasn't been announced for whatever system it may come out on, most likely the PlayStation 5, because people are so ravenous for how well crafted that story was that they just, they need more. And I'm one of those people. Hmm. You know, you brought up a very good, uh, important point there, which is that um, Horizon Zero Dawn did get a very good piece of DLC. And it kind of reminded me of the fact that, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2, while a fantastic game, uh, has yet to receive a piece of narrative DLC and probably never will. Can I argue that? Uh, we, we Can get... I argue one, just one sentence? <laughs> just I okay. didn't get to argue Zelda dropping off this list. You get nothing. You didn't ask. I, I'm I gonna... was respecting the rules of the game, sir. I'm going to bend the as rules. As much as I disagree. Fight for your rights. Five seconds, Alex. What's your sentence? The, pr- the prologue was nine hours long. Mm, I don't. You can say that about the half prologue, the games the on this list. The epilogue. I, the epilogue. The epilogue. That's what I meant. I don't. I don't really feel like that was arguing against. The epilogue was basically its own game. I don't really feel like that was arguing against the point I was trying to make. Unfortunately, you're referring to the epilogue of Red Dead Two, right? Because I never played it. Yes. Uh, oh. The epilogue I was see. basically its own game. Right. With That's Red, what I meant okay. Red Dead Redemption Two. I, still, though, it's. I feel like we're probably never going to get Red Dead Redemption Two Undead Nightmare. So for that reason, I've got to put Horizon at number six. Fine. All right, AJ. By process of elimination, you're the last one. Are you excited? Nervous? How are you feeling? A little bit of A, a little bit of B. I think um, in terms of uh, ownership, I I have uh, an Xbox and I have played Sunset Overdrive. Um, in terms of ability to debate, I tend to get jumbled. So let's let let's let's try this. Out. All right, the game that you're going to be debating is oh, Sunset Overdrive. Wow. Huh. Were there other games on the list that you got to choose, or was it just the three? If I let you roll again, I'll tell you the rest of the games that were on the list remaining, just because at that point you can't choose them. I do not wish to roll again. In that case, uh, I do want to say that the other games that I had noted down were Nier Automata, Devil May Cry 5, Hitman, uh, Wolfenstein, The New Colossus, Spider-Man, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Uncharted 4. Damn, I should have re-rolled. I played like all of those. I somehow got Sunset Overdrive again. Great. With all those on the list. All right. AJ? So, Sunset Overdrive was Insomniac's one hope for the for the Xbox One. Uh, the Xbox One was already down on its luck when it f- first released and had had a very, very difficult time on its own to try and gain any traction to 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 get get away from the the stigma that was the connect and get get away from the, the any of the other garbage that don matrick had left the xbox with sunset overdrive came out and it was bright beautiful colorful fast-paced pop punk action exhilarating movement it so fluid in in its controls it 
it's hard to it's really really hard to articulate how how just joyful it was when i played this game especially when it came out when i had this regret by in my mind of oh man i bought an xbox well i hope halo's good one day sunset overdrive came out and totally flipped that in my mind it 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 yeah, playstation fans have are are missing out on this what is seriously some sort of hidden gem masterpiece that it it's it's only knock against it is the fact that it came out early on the xbox one and not enough people got to play it hmm i only have one last question uh you know that you said how this game kind of came out at it came out at a bit of an awkward weird time for the xbox one how you know the kind of uh the trends were down on the console and how it kind of stood, you know, valiantly uh, against these trends and kind of, you know, showed that you could create a really great, uh, really, you know, uh, powerful is a weird word, but a, you know, really polished, really fun, you know, console exclusive for the console. Um, However, I noticed that this game has a lot of energy drinks in it and that when people drink the energy drinks, they turn into monsters how do you feel about that? Because I personally like energy drinks quite a lot, and I don't know how I right. feel about this game, you know, styling on that. Back in the early 2010s, energy drinks had this a little bit of this sort of bad rap, and specifically Sunset Overdrive was a bit, a bit, a bit of a commentary on how people get addicted to things and mindless addiction to things that aren't necessarily good for them. Energy drinks taste great. I love energy drinks too. It did not deter me from purchasing energy drinks at all in the future, personally. Um, but it was a commentary on, hey, be careful. Don't overdo it. You know what? I, I like that. I like that. Y you kind of spun this thing that I, I feared would kind of crater my opinion of this game into something kind of much more positive and fair, which was, you know, it's not that energy drinks are bad. It's just, you know, everything in moderation, which I feel is a good lesson to live by. Folks, after much deliberation within my head, I've decided uh, that this uh, seemingly energy drink hating game that actually does not hate energy drinks as much as I once thought it does is going to be going above God of War. Oh! <laughs> Wow. I would be mad if that didn't just win me the game. Oh, yeah, it did. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, but I still got number one, so I win, really. Who really wins? This list is bullshit. <laughs> I hate this list. Okay, guys, let's let's yep. wrap this up. Uh, you know. I I feel like that was intentional because it's 9 o'clock. I'm okay with so it. So you wanted this to be over. Sorry, I took a few too many seconds to kind of like marvel at this <laughs> glorious, amazing, immaculate list that I assembled over the course of the past. You didn't even put the so. right name for the game in. You um, really want this to be over. <laughs> we're not letting you do this again. All right. I mean, we've already decided ahead of time that we're going to be able to switch <laughs> things up in subsequent times that we play this game. And, Absolutely. you know, each host will. Oh, well, hold on. Now, hold on a second. I was setting it up. I was setting things up for you to say you know, what the results were. 
but yeah, we previously we previously decided that in subsequent, <laughs> um, you know, uh, versions of this game, we will be letting different people host, and when they host, we will be, uh, you know, letting them <laughs> apply their own gimmicks to the third round of this game to make things a little bit more interesting. Mitch, you've been tallying up the scores this entire time. Who won? Oh wait, shit, that's a tie. Oh wait, no, it, no wait, no, it isn't. No, no, we're good. Yeah, sorry. So in third place with four points mm. because he only has two games in the top 10 aj and your winner with the second fifth seventh and ninth games of this generation yours truly wow i don't even get any recognition that's a salty or that breath of the wild no, <laughs> no. well the, okay the whole suspense is if i said you in second then you already know i'm in first the winner should get you know that yeah go me and then alex plays second <sighs> no fine as long as breath of the wild wasn't on this list i'm fine which is such bullshit and you know it now i was gonna say mitch was it really worth you know you know making such a fuss this entire time you complained time and time and time again how you were being shortchanged and yet look at you you managed to pull off the victory anyways that's because i respect you as a game master so much <laughs> but no the game's still bullshit I should have argued Breath of the Wild against a different game. It's better than Destiny 2. It's better than Shovel Knight. It's better than Red Dead 2. It's better than Horizon. It's better than RE2. I didn't hear you say that it was better than Pokemon Go, so I suppose I'll have to take that as fact. There was a whole round of the game where I argued it was better than Pokemon Go, and you know I'm cut right. His mic. Just cut his mic. Just cut his mic. Cut it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're going to have to... We're, we're breaking up with you, Mitch. We can't hear what you're saying. And that's the end of 5x5. Five Thank you all. You can follow myself on Twitter at Alex Kozina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A, and also on Twitch at CozyBearLive, K-O-Z-I-B-A-A-R-L-I-V-E. Oops, went through that a little bit fast, but it's okay. Uh, AJ, where can they catch you? I'm Times Hero on everything, capital T, capital H. Alex, where can they catch you? On Twitter, I am blatantly underscore Alex, and on Instagram, I am just blatantly Alex. Sore loser, or wait, sore winner. <laughs> I, I, I was, like, a little confused there with my words. I've never felt this bad winning something, other than when I play couch co-op games with my fiance. You can find me on all the socials at Mr. Mitch George. That's M-R Mitch George, the way it sounds. You can also find me running the social accounts for the Kind of Funny Toronto fan group. So you can find us on Facebook at Kind of Funny Toronto and on Twitter at Kind of Funny T-O. And with that, we'll see you all next week in the YYZ. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. in the YYZ. And peace out, everybody.